My name is Rich Baker, and this is Living the Dream. Brilliance Audio presents the unabridged recording of... Yeah. Title of book, narrated by so-and-so. I speak with the rare few who make their living in the world of entertainment. Honey, we're gonna get you out of here in no time. Big thank you to Phil Ranta, CEO of Comedy Podcast Network. I started doing community theater when I was seven. Artwork by Tom Burns, original music by Diana Lawrence. They sent me... I couldn't believe it. I was like, you fools, you don't know me. <laughs> I could be some... Email me your questions, your suggestions, your complaints. Livingthedreampodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I got into a decent amount of trouble. Good for you. You could rate the show on iTunes, give me a review, become a fan of facebook.com slash livingthedreampodcast. All this helps me out a bunch. I appreciate it. Like There's a lot of bodice ripping. Uh, I've had to use the phrase... Um... Here's episode number 45, voice actress Angela Daw. Living the dream. My name is Rich. I'm here with Angela Daw. She is a professional voice actress. Thank you so much for being on the show, Angela. Thank you for having me. Uh, you get paid to talk into a microphone and then people buy those audio recordings to read their books by. That's pretty cool. Is that accurate? That's accurate. That's awesome. Uh, did you listen to a lot of audiobooks growing up? I didn't. Really? Uh, no, I didn't. I've listened to the Harry Potter books, uh, okay. which are done by Jim Dale, Beautifully. Oh, yeah, his voice is amazing. Yeah, um, but I wasn't a big audiobook person growing up. Oh, cool. Um, now that you're doing it, does that affect, like, how much you, like, are you more of a reader or more of a listener, or does it matter? Um, it hasn't affected me a ton. I, I definitely listen more, but um, I have to do so much reading for work that a lot of my free time is spent actually reading. Ah, well, fair enough. Yeah. Um, cool. So uh, you've done, your resume is actually, at least what I found online, pretty impressive. So how long have you been doing this? Uh, the audiobooks? Yeah. I've been doing it for about three years. Oh, wow. And it seems like you've done a lot in that time. Yeah, I have done quite a bit. So are these things that you can kind of like knock out a whole book in, in a relatively short time? Yeah, I can knock out a book in about three days. No kidding. Yeah. I mean, they're eight to five days, but. Wow. Yeah. Eight, uh, so how big are these books? Uh, like, does the number of pages directly translate to a certain number of hours? Is that like a ratio for that? Uh, usually, although sometimes it's different because the font will be a different size or there will be bigger or smaller margins on the page. But usually I can crank out um, about 150 pages a day. Wow. That's impressive. All right. Uh, if you don't mind, I'd love uh, if you could talk me through the process and be like, so... What's the first thing? Do you get the pages like emailed to you? Uh, well, I work for two different companies, and so I'll walk you through both of their um, sort of protocols. Yeah. Uh, one company, which is called Brilliance Audio, is based in Grand Haven, Michigan. And what they'll do is they'll send me a script, a paper script, um, that I read and make any notes that I need to make and make any character choices I need to make. And then I take that into the studio in Grand Haven with me and uh, read off of that. The other company I work for is called Tantor Media, and uh, they're based in Connecticut. And I actually record from home for them right off of a computer screen. So they'll, they'll email me a file, uh-huh. uh, and I'll put the file on a drive and put the drive into my Tantor computer, and there's a program that pops up uh, the text right on the screen there that I record directly onto. Wow. Uh, 
now I, I actually do listen to a lot of audiobooks. It's been my preferred medium for reading uh, since probably I was a teenager. And I, I noticed that they, they always say directed by so-and-so. So when who how does one direct uh, someone to read text out loud? Well, the director has a sort of a two-pronged job. Uh, on the one hand, they're there to direct, much like a stage director, uh, they might say, you know, um, let's make her a little bit more anxious sounding in this scene or let's make this character, you know, remember that this character's been running so we need to be out of breath here, things like that. Oh, wow. Or they can um, direct the tone of a scene, you know, slow it down, make it a little bit more intimate, that sort of thing. The, their other job is to make sure that all the pronunciations are correct and that the reader actually gets the text right, because it's easy when you're reading out loud to misread a little word here or there. Oh, yeah. So the director is there to make sure that that doesn't happen. Um, but when you record on your own, mm -hmm. how does one, do you still get directed that way? Sort of. Um, I, the interpretation is left much more up to me. Mm -hmm. uh, what happens is I record the whole book, I send it to the company, they have someone listen to it, and take notes on anything that is wrong or mispronounced or needs to be redone for any reason. Yeah. Um, and they'll send me a list of notes saying this line of this chapter needs to be redone because this word is actually pronounced like this. Or oh, wow. this line of this chapter needs to be redone because the character voice sounds like X character and it should be character Y. So... Wow, does that ever get confusing when like you're reading direction on how to pronounce something and then you, you go like, hey, do you ever do it like multiple ways and send it to them and go, I'm not sure which one you want or something like that? No, I usually just do it to the best of my ability and try to look stuff up if I need to. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of that's kind of uh, like you're kind of going out on your own as opposed to necessarily being spoon fed every single thing. Right. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Uh, so as an actor, and I'm sure you've gotten this too, but like anytime I meet what I call civilian, someone who doesn't at all work in the entertainment industry, they, they always have a million questions. They're like, how do you do what you do? You know, where do you go? This and the other. I feel like in my experience, and I've never been a voice actor, but uh, that voice actors, even among the actors, get asked more questions. Like at parties, um, a bunch of non-voice actors, but like stage actors, see a voice actor and they're like, oh... Your voice actor, tell me everything, because I feel like it's the thing that everyone wants to get into, kind of thing. Do you get bombarded with questions by a lot of people? I do. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people um, hear that I, this is what I do for a living and say, "Oh my gosh, that's my dream job." Sure. Which I can totally relate to. It's my dream job too. I'm just lucky enough <laughs> to be doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, from now on, you can just say, hey, just listen to this podcast. You'll have all your questions answered. Perfect. <laughs> um, does it ever get annoying when they're like, just, like asking the same questions over and over? Because I, what I assume is that most people don't, aren't necessarily asking you because they're interested in you, but they're more like selfishly wanting to know how they can do it themselves. Sure. Yeah. No, that doesn't get annoying to me because most people who ask me are really sincere about it. Um, yeah. And are, you know, not being assholes, which is nice. Yeah. So. When, uh, so talk, talk me through the process, if you don't mind, like, um, at some point you weren't a voice actor and now you are and, and kind of how did that go from one to the other? Well, I have a stage background and I did a TV movie actually where I had to have a German accent. Oh, nice. 
Yeah, and an acquaintance of mine who's in the audiobook industry, um, he's a narrator by the name of Dick Hill, okay. um, who's very well respected, uh, saw this TV movie and contacted me and said, you know, Angela, if you can do accents... You'd be great at audiobooks. I, I think you'd be great at it. Uh, and he helped me put together a demo. And um, I sent it in to a couple companies, and the rest is history. Wow. How did you meet him in the first place? We um, did community theater together when I was a kid, when okay. I was really small. Where, where, where are you from? Where did you do this theater? In Lansing, Michigan. Oh, cool. Great. Which actually has a thriving community theater scene. Yeah, uh, one of my previous guests, uh, Holly Walker, used to do uh, work out in Michigan, and and, uh, she was, I I had no idea, it seems like the best kept theater secret in the country. Yeah, it really is a wonderful, wonderful environment if you're a theater fan. So, like, when you say kid, like, how young are we talking? I started doing community theater when I was seven. Oh, wow. Yeah. Pretty young. Yeah. (laughs) What was your first role? I had a walk-on role in the chorus in Guys and Dolls. Yeah. Yep, just at the in the opening scene there it's a montage of like the streets. Yeah, absolutely. I got to walk across the stage with a miniature schnauzer. <laughs> a real one? Yes, it was very oh, wow. exciting. Very cool. Yep. Um so this uh, at what well, when was this TV movie that you made? Uh, that was 2009, I believe. Okay. Were you in Chicago at that point? I was, and I got it through my agent, um, oh. and it shot in Detroit, uh, and it was really fun. I got to wear horrible 80s clothes because right. it was a period piece, and <laughs> I got to meet Cuba Gooding Jr., which was fun. No kidding. Yeah, he played my doctor, so. <laughs> I love it. What, what, uh, what TV station was it on? It was on TNT. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm totally going to look this up. What was it called? Gifted Hands. Darn straight it was. Yes. <laughs> I played a German woman who was pregnant with twins conjoined at the head, and it's not a comedy. Wow. So. (laughs) I love it. Uh, Was that your first big on-camera role? Yeah. I I had done um, an independent movie, Uh Uh, so that was really my first big on-camera role, but this was definitely the most exposure. Yeah. Yeah. Like an independent film, like maybe did a couple film circuits, but wasn't right. big released or anything. Right. Sure, sure. So after that, and your friend, was this guy uh, that you did community theater with, um, were you still in contact with him or did he just kind of find you out of the blue from seeing this movie? We were still in contact. Um, we talk, oh, every once in a while and we email every once in a while. Um, so it wasn't completely out of the blue. Yeah. But... Um, before he contacted you, was this one of the things where you were like, because uh, you know, obviously if you were a stage actress and, and TV film actress at that point, was this something you were really thinking about? Or was it just kind of like, oh, well, as long as it's going to happy coincidence kind of thing? Well, knowing this guy, um, it had always sort of been in the back of my mind that it would be a really cool thing to do. But I didn't want to be that person who bugged him about getting me into the business, which is funny because now people bug me and it, it doesn't do. it doesn't really bother me. Um, That's cool that it doesn't bother you. Yeah, yeah. So in retrospect, it might have been okay for me to say, hey, can you help me get into this? But when yeah. he contacted me, it was just like a gift from God. Nice. Yeah. And have you used the accents a lot doing the audiobooks? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do a lot of accents and dialects and um, even, you know, occasionally you'll have like a 
brassy black lady character. You oh, gotta do that. Oh, a little brassy black lady. Oh. Uh, well, it would depend. I'm trying to think of what what she would say. I don't know. She'd say like, uh, "This is my parking space" or something like that. <laughs> I don't know what brassy black ladies talk about. I'm trying to think. I think there was like a black nurse character who was okay. like, you know, Great. honey, we're going to get you out of here in no time. Yeah. You know, That's <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you have to really walk a fine line, though. You don't want to be offensive. Yeah, you don't want to be cartoon. Right. But like, you want to be believable. Yeah, because as an improviser, you know, I'm sure you encounter people all the time on stage. You've probably done it. You know, sometimes you get a character choice in, on stage and it becomes cartoonish. Yeah. But on audiobooks, I'm guessing you can't get really get away with that. Right. Do you do, um, do, do they have, you typecast for like different types of books? Like you're the, always in the certain genre or something? I do a lot of romance novels. Okay. Um, especially for the one company that's in Connecticut. Yeah. I'm one of their romance go-to gals. Okay. So are you describing a lot of like, uh, like, Sensual scenes, like heaving bosoms and stuff like that. There's a lot of bodice ripping. Uh, I've had to use the phrase, um, what was it? Velvet steel. What does that mean? That was describing the hard planes of Lieutenant Zane Winter's chest. Oh, man. This is by far going to be the sexiest episode of my podcast. I really like it. So your friend got you hooked up with... uh, he helped you get a demo, and then did you just get the one company from that, or did you get both at the same time? Um, I got the one company in July of '09, and then the next one in the following March. So how did so you have a demo? Mm-hmm. What's the next thing? Do you literally just send it to these audio recording companies? Yeah. Okay. With a cover letter that says, "Hey, I'd like to be a narrator. Here's my demo. Here's my background." It's that simple. It's that simple. But, I mean, they, they've got to get, like, 10,000 submissions a month, right? I don't know if they do. You would think, but uh, but I'm not sure. It's such a sort of a niche thing. Yeah. Well, I feel like, you know, as you said, you know, people come to you all the time and say this is something they want to do. So my assumption is that they're trying. Maybe not. I don't know. But I think for every 10 people who might ask me how to do this, maybe one actually sits down and makes a demo and sends it in. Yeah. Because that takes time, and it's, you know, people have their lives to live. Oh, that's fair. So When you made your demo, did you, uh, did you read from, like, how did you pick which books to read the dialogue from? I picked um, a range of books of different genres. Um, I had some help from my friend who sort of guided me, but I did yeah. pick out most of the books myself. Um, I just wanted to make sure that I covered a wide range that... Um, accents were used and that uh, different types of dialogue was heard. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, just try to cover a broad range. I did a memoir. Oh, wow. Did you have to use books that were like in public domain or did, does it matter at that point? No, for a demo, it, it's fine. Everyone kind of gets it. Yeah, I mean, you're not selling it. Yeah. So That's really cool. So now that you do this and you've got quite a resume... Um, do you still send demos out to other companies trying to get work or, or do you just kind of rest on this hoping that other people will find you? Um, once in a while, I'll send a demo out to another company. Every year, uh, there's a big conference in New York called the Audiobook Publishers Association Conference or APAC. Uh-huh. And um, I try to go out there and you can meet people that way and sort of hobnob and network. 
Wow. Um, so I've done a little bit of that. But for the most part, I just rely on those two companies and they keep me pretty busy. Yeah. The, uh, you know, it's, it's as improvisers, you know, you and I have probably at least 100 friends in common just because right. we're both improvisers in Chicago. But as audio book readers, you probably don't meet any other people like, or do you? Any other audiobook narrators? Yeah, because you're, as you said, you're doing this by yourself in your home and then they fly you out. But I mean, it's, I've never, I've only maybe once heard a book that was read by two different uh, uh, narrators. Yeah. Um, I meet a lot of people at that APAC. Um, and I meet a lot of people when I'm working in Grand Haven, Michigan, because oh, yeah. they have a studio there with um, four separate studio rooms okay so there will be four books being recorded at a time there wow and so we all sort of take breaks and mingle and have lunch together so i i have met people that way yeah and that's fun and everybody in the business has been super cool and really nice that's neat yeah is there anyone you've met that you were like oh this this person's kind of someone i've always wanted to meet or something like that um you know no i haven't gotten to meet anybody that i've always wanted to meet but i've come close in like a six degrees of separation sort of way to people like i read a book by gary paulson uh-huh. uh who wrote hatchet which it was like one of my favorite books as a kid <laughs> that's great so that was really cool and um i did the uh what they call the opening statement and end statement which is uh at the very beginning of an audiobook you'll hear someone go brilliance audio presents the unabridged recording of yeah title of book narrated by so-and-so uh and uh, I've done the opening and end statements for books that were narrated by celebrities, so I felt like, well, cool, I worked on a project with that person. Yeah, because you know, though... some of the books that I, I read are like Joe Montaigne does a lot of uh, yeah. audio books, and, and there's definitely some people with some names out there. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, as uh, as someone who reads audiobooks for the, do you uh, do you get the same out of reading the book out loud into a microphone that you like if you were to read the book on your own does it i guess what i'm saying is like when i used to be in sports broadcasting at the end of a game i didn't even know who won because i was too busy working you know the the actual production of it does is that translate to like do you still get something out of reading the story i do um most of the time i read the story ahead of time so i still get the experience of reading the book to myself oh i see um uh and when I am performing the book, I really do get into it. I get into it almost, I think, even more than I would if I were just reading it to myself. Oh, nice. Yeah. So there have been times when I've gotten really choked up or, <laughs> you know, really emotional doing the out loud reading. Yeah. When doing the reading to myself, it, it wasn't that emotional. When you got the job with the Connecticut company, mm-hmm. did they basically say, uh, we want to work with you if you can record from home? They basically said, yeah, we want to work with you. We'll send you equipment. You just have to set up a studio. They sent you all this stuff. They sent me. I couldn't believe it. I was like, you fools. You don't know me. <laughs> I could be some some Yahoo who's going to screw this all up. But yeah. they, yeah, they just. On Craigslist the next day, all this great audio equipment. Absolutely. Super cheap. Absolutely. But no, they showed us. Just shipped you a bunch of boxes. and Goodwill. and That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so, but now that you have this, like, I mean, is it yours or is it theirs? It's like, theirs. Okay. So you got to send it back if for whatever reason you stop working for them or whatever. Right. And I'm not allowed to use their equipment to record other things. Oh, well, that's, 
Okay, that's built in, I guess. That's yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah, there's so many questions about, I mean, your, your life's kind of fat, because, like, I assume, especially with your resume in only the last three years, you're making enough just on this to live on. I but, am. But uh, you've got plenty of other gigs going on. Yeah. Like you still do camera acting and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And then you work for the Second City. I do. Touring. Do you ever sleep? I sleep a ton. Oh, good for you. Yeah. It seems like you're so busy. I am really busy. That's probably why I sleep as much as I do, because when I'm up, I'm always doing something. Yeah. Yeah. So but, when you go on tour with the Second City, so you're on the Second City Touring Company. I was. I'm not anymore. Oh, you're not anymore. Okay. Yeah, but I was. Did you um, do a lot of, like, double timing? Like, did you read a lot of books on the road in order to prepare? Um, Some. I did some of that, yeah. Yeah. We'd be in the van, and I'd be reading a romance novel, you know, telling my castmates <laughs> the highlights of the dialogue. <laughs> I bet that was probably like, no, no, read that part again. Yeah. <laughs> in the car. Uh, so, uh, what else do you do now? Like, do you do other do you commercial voice acting and um, industrials, or is it just the audiobooks? You know, it's only been the audiobooks. I've auditioned for commercial voiceovers, uh, mm. but I've never booked anything. Yeah. And um, it's so funny that there's almost no crossover between the two the audiobook really? world and the commercial voiceover world. Yeah. I mean, I think there's crossover in terms of talent, but in terms of. Um, well, what like am I trying to say? Produce? Yeah, just because you have been successful in one doesn't mean you're going to be successful in the other. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. So someone who's been doing commercial voiceover for 10 years might have never done audiobook and never even get their foot in the door. Absolutely. Wow. And vice versa. Yeah. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Um, is there any particular um, genre of, uh, of fiction that you would like to read that you haven't tackled yet? Um, no, I've, I've been lucky enough to do a wide range of genres. Um, I really like doing young adult fiction. Okay. Um, some of my favorite books have been young adult fiction books. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my boss at the one company says that they're better because they, uh, they can't rely on sex and violence. They have to have story. <laughs> um, which may or may not be true, but um, but yeah, that's been a lot of fun. And I like doing horror. Uh, horror is a lot of fun to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, if for what in a horrible world where this could no longer make you money, is there a civilian job that wouldn't tear your hair out that you could do? Oh, Supreme Court justice. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that that that's my fallback. Okay, great. Yeah, no big whoop. <laughs> Did you uh, major in acting in college? I didn't. I majored in philosophy. Oh. I specifically decided not to major in acting because I knew I wanted to pursue acting, and I thought, this is college where I can learn anything I want to. I should take advantage of it and study other things. So I took all sorts of crazy classes like intro to Islam and Chinese and... Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So you thought you'd get a major in something you could make money in in case you... Right. Philosophy. Something to fall back on. (laughs) When, uh, so you, you grew up in Michigan, mm-hmm. 
And then, uh, did you go to school in Michigan too? I went to school at Arizona State. Oh. A very silly place. Uh, why is that silly? Uh, it's just, it's got a reputation for being a big party school, and that reputation is well-deserved. Is it? Yes. Get into a lot of trouble down there? Uh, I got into a decent amount of trouble. Good for you. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Uh, did you do a lot of, like, the, the plays or, or anything, like the productions down no, there? No, I didn't. I didn't do anything down there. I really spent those four years studying other things. Wow. Um, and I also thought to myself, I should see if there's anything else out there that I want to do because the life of an actor is hard. And if you can do yeah. anything else, you should. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I took the four years off and I missed it horribly and there was nothing else that came close. So there you go. And you'd been acting, you know, since you were seven, you said. Right. So you just you just knew that's what you wanted to do. Why Chicago as opposed to New York or L.A. or, or somewhere else? Uh, I love Chicago's theater scene. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, the Goodman is here. The Steppenwolf is here. Sure. Um, and there are so many great storefront theaters and smaller theater companies. Uh, I also just love Chicago. I've always loved this city since I was 12 years old and came here for the first time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Up in Michigan, did you guys come here a fair amount? Once every few years. It was yeah. sort of the closest big city. I mean, who wants to go to Detroit? <laughs> no one I know of. No one I know of. So, yeah, we would come to Chicago, and I just really liked the vibe of the city. Um, better than New York. Uh-huh. Uh, better than L.A., and I also liked the idea of being back in the Midwest near my family. Yeah. After having been so far away from them for four years. As uh, someone who reads audiobooks, like, is there, a, is there like a ladder? You know, like, because I feel like as a film person, you know, you start up maybe doing college films and independent films and you want to get like your summer blockbuster or something like that. As audiobook reader, I mean, have you kind of hit pretty much like this is where you want to be or... I think so. I mean, I'm really happy where I'm at. Yeah. I can imagine, um, you know, that there's always opportunities out there and uh, climbing to be done, but I'm not a crazy, you know, <laughs> ambitious. I'm, I'm happy where I'm at. Yeah. Um, they do have uh, something called the Audi Awards every year. Oh. Which is the audiobook version of the Academy Awards. Awesome. And so if you win one of those, I think you have a little bit more cachet and you can maybe charge a little bit more for your services. Yeah. So that would be cool. Right. And you, you have the glory of winning an Audi. <laughs> have you been up for one? I haven't yet. Okay. But uh, I've got my fingers crossed. Audiobooks can be up for uh, Grammys, though, right? They can, yeah. Okay. That's cool. Have you ever read any nonfiction? I haven't done any nonfiction. Oh, no, that's not true. I just recently did a memoir. Oh, great. uh, Called My Berlin Kitchen um, by Louisa something. Cool. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was fun. It was all about uh, this woman who... um, her dad lived in Boston and her mom lived in Berlin and she sort of felt torn between two worlds, but she always felt at home in the kitchen. All right. So it was, you know, it was a sweet book. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have time to read on your own when you're not reading for work? No. (laughs) I don't. And I miss it because I was a voracious reader. Yeah. So you have no idea what this Hunger Games thing is all about. I actually did read the Hunger Games. Oh, cool. I found, uh, you know, those are such a quick read, too. Yeah, I think I read the the first one in like a night. Yeah, you got it. You can't put it down. Right. 
But yeah, um, so but that's this, the one series of books you've read. In I've the read past that. Years. Yeah, Fifty Shades of Grey. I have no idea what what's going on there. <laughs> Everybody's talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. So as uh, I mean, as you said, you you like where you're at. Um, rarely, I think, does anyone ever get famous from reading audiobooks. Is fame something that you want, or do you care? No. Don't care. No, I don't care. I'm. I think I'm at a point where. I'm happy to just live my life and yeah, be me. There yeah, you there you go. Yeah. Do you? I'm guessing you kind of set your own schedule. Do they like give you like okay, this needs to be done by a certain date, and then you just you could do it all in one night if you wanted to or whatever. Absolutely. So you can kind of structure your own vacations and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's really wonderful. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And do you have an agent with these companies, or is it just you and the company? It's all independent contractor work directly between me and the company. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with agents. I'm interviewing an agent next week, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's like, hey, if you can do it on your own, might as well, right? Yeah. 15-year-old kid comes up to you and says, Angela, I want to do what you do. Uh, what, if any advice, can you give him? Uh, read as much as you can and take acting classes and, um, well, I would tell anyone to take improv classes, I think. Right? Yeah. It's just a good philosophy. It's, yeah, uh, it's a great way to learn character development. Um, and then, yeah, come talk to me when you're not 15 anymore and we can... <laughs> is a, does anyone that you know of read audiobooks at a young age or is it mostly like you've got to be at least in your mid-20s or... It's mostly adults. I think, although I don't know, the companies that I work for don't do a lot of children's books, and there may be, there may be child actors who do yeah, audiobooks for kids. I yeah. don't know actually. Huh. I'm just curious. I figured it's one of those things that you know they're not going to hire some 18 year old uh, too often to read an audiobook, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. That's awesome. Uh, anything you want to plug? Um, no, I don't think so. Like just Any? audiobooks in general. Keep listening to them. They're right. great. And Do you have uh, a website pe- you want to direct people to or YouTube videos or anything like that? You know, I don't have a website. Um, oh. If you Google me, you can find a lot of the books that I've done. Yeah. Um, and I've done, like I said, all sorts of different genres. So I'm sure there's something out there for everyone. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite book that I've done is a book called Haley's War by Jody Compton. Okay. Um, and uh, that has a sequel as well called Thieves Get Rich, Saints Get Shot. Those have been two of my favorite books to do. So I definitely recommend those if someone wants to oh, wow. hear what I do. Does uh, After you did the first one, did the, auth- did the authors pick you guys or did the production companies? Uh, the authors sometimes have a say in it. Yeah. Um, but usually it's the production company along with the publisher. They'll uh, submit me for a book and get approved. Yeah. Um, occasionally the author weighs in. I did a Danielle Steele book where Ooh, she... That's pretty. That's big time. Yeah, it was pretty big time where she uh, weighed in on having me do it. So nice. that felt cool. Is uh, Do you do like... Is there any series out there where you've done like six or seven books in a... Yeah, I do um, a series called the Psy Changeling series by Nalini Singh. Cool. Which is all about... Um, I'm guessing science fiction. It's It's science fiction. And a little bit of fantasy. Uh, It's a futuristic society in which there are three races. Humans, the Psy, who are psychic, Mm -hmm. 
uh-huh. and changelings who are, you know, changelings. Makes sense. Um, <laughs> and uh, they're always falling in love with people from the other races and it's very complicated uh, and very sexy. Love. It's the worst. So I've done a lot of those. I did uh, the Riley Jensen Guardian series where I had to have an Australian accent for the entire series. And I will tell you my Australian accent is not that great. So wow. all I can do is hope that no one from Australia ever listens to those books. Do they get specific as to like, we don't want just Australian, we want like Queens, Queensland like or anything like no, that? No, they didn't get that specific. Um, I I do know a little bit about the different regions. Yeah. Um, so I could use that a, a tiny bit to influence my accent, but I'm not nearly gifted enough to be that subtle. Yeah, fair. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show yeah. uh, and giving us your voice uh, for free. As a to, uh, <laughs> but you know, I'll, I'll still I'm going to make sure to download at least one of your books. Yeah, I do. Time. Cool. Uh, Angela Doe, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Living the dream. Big thank you to Phil Ranta and the Comedy Podcast Network. Original artwork by Tom Burns. Original music by Diana Lawrence. The emails livingthedreampodcast at gmail.com and the fan page is facebook.com slash livingthedreampodcast. Please take a minute to rate the show on iTunes. Leave a comment. It helps me out a lot. Next week, I speak with exotic dancer Violet Starshine. Yeah, you heard me right. My name is Rich Baker, and this is Living the Dream.